exclusive podcast from Impact 89 FM. WDBM East Lansing. You think the Pistons are playoff bound? This MSU team deserves to be in a BCS game. I'm Alex Sharg, and welcome to March Madness. That's right, the Spartans come in as the three seed, and the Lions land the jackpot in free agency. But first, Dan Dickerson joins us. This is the Spartan Sports Wrap. March Madness is in full swing, and the Spartans are looking to go with a deep run this year. Welcome to the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact 89 FM. I'm Alex Sharg, your host, as usual, every Monday from 7 to 8 p.m. Uh, of course, joining me, uh, we usually have a guest or two. Last uh, Three weeks ago, actually, we had Clarissa Bell, who is the guard for the Michigan State Spartans women's basketball team, who is also awaiting their NCAA tournament berth tonight as they announce the women's basketball brackets tonight, uh, Monday night. Uh, I think the selection show begins right about now, so you can definitely stay tuned for that. Uh, we'll give you some updates as we know, uh, as soon as we know, what the women's seed will be. Uh, two weeks ago, we had Josh Mansour, who's the beat writer for the State News. And this week, I'm proud to announce that we have Dan Dickerson, play-by-play voice for the for the Detroit Tigers. He'll be joining us around 7.05. Uh, he is a very busy guy, so hopefully we'll be able to get a hold of him and get him on the air with us. If it's your first time tuning into the Sports Rat, let me explain to you how the show is set up before we get to Dan. We start with MSU Sports first. That's your Michigan State Spartans. Your basketball, we get a little bit into volleyball, baseball here and there. Baseball, actually, Spartans beat Santa Clara, uh, sweep them. So looks like Spartan baseball is looking good so far. We'll get to that, I'm sure, more next week because we have a lot to cover today. Uh, along with MSU Spartans, then we jump to local. That's your Detroit Tigers, a little bit of the Lansing Lugnuts, if there is news, because they start pretty soon, too. Uh, we get to your, your Pistons, your Tigers, your Lions, whatever you want to hear. And then we jump to a little bit of national. We have some national news here and there. Uh, actually, we have our Goon of the Week we play at the end of the show. Uh, the Goon of the Week this week, actually, uh, he's a little bit of a national guy, too. So we'll, we'll talk about that Goon of the Week at 7.55. Uh, we also have listeners from all over. As far as San Jose State out west in Miami, Florida, we are a nationally listened station right here at 88.9. Uh, of course, Dan Dickerson will be joining us in two minutes. But before we get to Dan, we usually have a Chad Ocho Zero segment where basically Chad Johnson just cannot stay out of the media. But he's been out for the last two weeks, including this week. Uh, for those of you who have not been keeping up with Chad Johnson, he's been cut uh, from, he was cut from the Dolphins initially. He had a domestic abuse case with his girlfriend, uh, basically suing two websites for illegally posting a sex tape on the guy. So he, he just can't stay out. But for right now, Chad is, is trying to get a look at a team. Andre Johnson supposedly uh, giving a couple nods to management because the two, uh, Johnson and Johnson, uh, were high school rivals, uh, rival receivers against each other. So uh, hopefully that would be a pretty good sight to see, to see two Johnsons together. Uh, united in a better way. Uh, so along with Chad Johnson, uh, let me just give you a little bit of the lowdown before we get Dan Dickerson on uh, in just a minute here. Um, at 7.05, hopefully we'll get Dan on the line. We'll talk about spring training baseball and more about spring training, but uh, what is up with all of the trade talks? I mean, we, we hear rumors left and right, a bunch of sites. If you if you log on to some Detroit Tiger Rumorville, you can see all you can see it all. You can see everything about Porcello, about how we got we have six good pitchers. We can trade one and get some relief because it doesn't look like we have relief right now. We'll get Dan's opinion on all this as he is the guy in Florida seeing everything happen firsthand. At seven twenty, we'll get into MSU basketball. That's NCAA March Madness coverage. We'll get into why the Spartans deserve that number three seed, what some of the challenges might be with who they're facing, uh, along with maybe some of their challenges. We'll get into some of the easier brackets, some of the tougher brackets. How about Michigan? Does Michigan have an easy run or a hard run? We'll, We'll get to that and why, and we'd love to take your opinions as well. 735 We'll get into some Detroit Lions conversation with the free agency period. The Lions landed some gold, and I'm talking about Reggie Bush and Glover and a couple other guys. So uh, hopefully we will have a better 
a better picture on what this Lion team will look like in the near future, uh, along with the Detroit Lions. Uh, Jeff Backus, if you have not been tuning in to some news sources this week, Jeff Backus, the longtime Lion, has retired. That's right. He is hanging up the cleats and the helmet to basically finish off his career as a Detroit Lion for many years, a <laughs> more than decades. So, uh, of course, we'll get to that and how to replace Jeff Backus. If we do need to replace him, you can make the argument that it isn't really not, it really isn't that hard to replace Jeff Backus. So, uh, along with Jeff, of course, we have the draft coming up very soon. The Lions, of course, at the number five pick, making the look a splash. Uh, who are they going to draft? Is it D. Miller? Is he the obvious choice? If you're a Detroit Lion fan, is D. Milner your guy? Or if you want to go on the other end, you can go on the offensive tackle. You could say, hey, we just lost Jeff Backus. We, Riley Reef may not be the guy, or Jason Fox on the other side. Maybe an offensive lineman is, uh, is, is the move. So we'll get to that in a little bit. And along at 740, we'll talk about some Detroit Red Wings hockey, some MSU women's basketball. We'll give you the update on when that team will be uh, what that team will be seated exactly. Uh, 7.45 MSU football, some news coming out today with the, the updated roster for this year. Uh, with the roster, we do have Dan France moving to guard and Fofanuti back at tackle. We'll get into why that may be and a couple of the other release starters as of right now, and that's before all of the training in the summer, you know, two-a-days, all that. So, uh, we've got a lot. We've got a lot of waiting time to do when it comes to MSU football. But we'll start to get into some recent news. And of course, at 7:55, we have our annual Goon of the Week. Uh, and like I said at the beginning of the broadcast, it is a national goon. This lies outside outside the state of Michigan. Uh, this has to do with uh, a football team, actually. So uh, if you've been keeping up with your, your national news here and there, you'll definitely hear. About this, we want to open the lines. We're going to have open lines all show. Remember the number to call 517 432 3893. Again, the number 517 432 3893. If you'd like to get on during the show, talk about some of these hot topics in the world of sports, along with some March Madness coverage. Uh, we also invite you to tweet. That's at 89FM Sports Trap. That's right. Uh, if you'd like to get on the air with us, uh, if you basically would uh, maybe like to, uh, I don't know, get, hone in on, on, on some of your Spartan memories. If you want to hone in on, on uh, I don't know, uh, Derek Nix's reputation right now, uh, if he's really going to give it his all with this tournament run, we want to hear it from you. So as soon as we get your tweets or as soon as we get your calls, we will air them. So we invite you, of course, as it goes on. We also have our annual score of the week. We're not going to have one this week. The score of the week, basically, if you are just tuning in, we ask a question every week at the Sports Rep. You will have the opportunity in future weeks to win a potential prize. So if you are smart enough or basically can basically decipher what the right answer is, we usually select a lucky winner each week. But this week, we are not going to have one. So you definitely want to stay tuned in future weeks. Hopefully, uh, we'll give Dan Dickerson a call back. He actually is unavailable right now. But hopefully, we'll get him on the air with us uh, a little bit later in today's show. Uh, if not this show, he'll, I'm sure he'll be on with us the following show. Busy guy, Dan Dickerson. Uh, along with Dan, uh, let's just start it off real quickly before we get to Detroit Tiger baseball. And let's talk about the hot topic. March Madness is here. That's right. If you have not been following, the Spartans did not basically, like everyone expected to, play very well in the Big Ten tournament, dropping to Ohio State 61-58. Uh, of course, they didn't make the NCAA tournament, so no problems there as far as reputation is concerned. Uh, the Spartans, as of yesterday, on Selection Sunday, were announced to have the number three seed, and they face... Valparaiso, that's right, out of Indiana. Uh, Valparaiso, of course, coming in uh, as a 14 seed uh, under under the radar. Uh, Tom Izzo is not taking them for granted. He came out this week and said, quote, we are going to have our bleeps ready. That's right. They are going to basically be fully prepared no matter who the opponent is. Uh, but one thing in the Spartans' favor, as we'll get into right about now, is the location. That's right. There are four locations for the four uh, divisions within the brackets. The Spartans 
getting Auburn Hills as their location to play. So uh, they, they have about an hour drive south to Auburn Hills where they will play at the Palace against Valparaiso and some other teams hoping that they do make it far. And along with that, the Spartans also have a fully healed roster. That's right. No injuries really thus far as we commence the end of the season leading into the tournament. Uh, that's a first. We've seen all kinds of years where uh, people have been uh, a little bit uh, a little bit shaky. For example, Gary Harris popped his shoulder over the weekend, but Harris said that, quote, I wouldn't say there's any setbacks. I still feel pretty good right now, and I'll just continue to get better. So for the most part, pretty healthy. Sure, Gary Harris may not be tip-top shape 100%, but with a pop shoulder, uh, I don't think it's really too serious. Uh, in terms of Valparaiso, they actually faced another Big Ten opponent in November. That was Nebraska. Uh, Valparaiso actually dropped to Nebraska 50-48 to in November. Uh, but you also have to remember that the Cornhuskers were very low in the Big Ten standings earlier this year. Uh, but one statistic that mind-boggles me, which I'm going to ask the first question to you guys listening, is the fact that Valparaiso, they've only won two NCAA tournament games ever. Ever. They, they've never made it past the round of 16 ever. This Valparaiso team has never established itself as a national contender. So, yes, a very inexperienced team compared to Tom Izzo's veteran NCAA experience. That's probably the plus. But I want to ask you, what worries you most about this Valparaiso team? Is it the big men? Are you are you worried that, uh, uh, you know... Uh, Adrian Payne or, or Derek Nix is going to have a little bit of trouble. But uh, besides for the fact that Valparaiso at 26-7 and 7 has not made an NCAA tournament run, uh, you've also got to look at their roster. And I'm going to read you some of the guys on this Valparaiso Crusader team this year. Uh, they're not a small team by any means. They do have a couple 6-10 guys on their team. Uh, some guards. They have, I mean, they, they recruit all over. It's, it's not like a, a Michigan State where they'll get the top talent you know, within the state. They'll get a, a Mr. Basketball and Keith Appling. The Spartans will get Derek Nix. But uh, a team like Valparaiso, they can't necessarily compete with some of the top guys when you're playing against the Indiana Hoosiers. So, with that said, the, the Valparaiso Crusaders, they recruit a little bit nationally. They have guys from California, Virginia, uh, from Virginia, Maryland, uh, even Hawaii. So, guys from all over on this Valparaiso team, uh, as they make up Bryce Drew's team against the Spartans. Uh, I actually have been keeping up, I don't know about you, with some of the media coverage when it comes to uh, this NCAA tournament madness. Uh, my question is uh, is also what I'm wondering, is is, is, is Keith Appling. How is, we, we've said it throughout the year. We've talked about it on the sports wrap before. With, without Keith Appling, and, and if, if Keith Appling doesn't play well or if he follows out late in the game, and they, and they don't have a late-game situation, then the Spartans are going to fail. That is the argument that I've made constantly throughout the year. If Keith Appling doesn't play, the Spartans lose. Very simple. There's there's no replacement with Travis Streis. There's no replacement. You're not going to have Gary Harris or, or Denzel bring the ball up and, and run efficiently, you know, average two steals a game like Appling does. It, it's not going to happen. But if, if Keith Appling doesn't play, can Adrian Payne pick up his slack? That's the question I'm wondering. If we said this statement at the beginning of the year, if I asked you, if Keith Appling doesn't play at the fifth game of the season, are you going to rely on Adrian Payne to step up and, and lead this team? The answer would be no at the beginning of the year. But if you talk about it right now, if you're speaking about Adrian Payne throughout the end of this year, the progression of Adrian Payne right now, would you say that Adrian Payne could lead this team without Keith Appling? You know what? I think he might be able to. With what Adrian Payne has done within the last half of the season. Uh, I, I heard Kevin Doherty on, on, on ESPN today uh, basically claim that this is Adrian Payne might be the most improved player that he's witnessed this year. Adrian Payne might be the most improved player that he's seen. Kevin Doherty, that's right. So, is he the most improved player that you've seen? I'm asking you, the listener. And alongside with Adrian Payne, would you expect Adrian Payne to lead this team? I want to hear it from you. 
The phone number, 517-432-3893. You could also tweet at us at 89FM Sports Rap. Uh, alongside with Adrian Payne. Uh, and and that, that goes off my next point, because if Adrian Payne is going to be your guy in the tournament, if you're going to say, if Keith Appling fouls out late in the game, you can go to Adrian Payne, and you can count on him down and down and, and each drive down the floor to contribute buckets. I, 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 I honestly feel that it is very feasible and very possible for Adrian Payne to lead this team in the tournament. Tom Izzo said it himself. Our guys will be ready to go. But I want to hear it from you. Let's go to the phones. You are on the Spartan Sports Trap. Who is this? Where are you calling from? This is Gus. I'm calling from a car. What's up, Gus? I'm telling you, you hit it on the head, man. It's all about Appling. I think we've seen two Applings this year. Seen uh, Appling play and play well, be the team. Yeah. And we've seen Appling, some folks call him AKA Napling. <laughs> fall asleep a little bit at the point. You know, Trey Burke play in question yeah well and that's in general you know if he's tough and play some defense i think i think the spartans can go although their region is arguably the toughest right now now i want to ask you because i'm sure you guys have seen this team at the beginning of the season when they opened and when they fell in the big 10 tournament to ohio state would you count gus if keith appling follows out or, or doesn't play late in the game can you rely on adrian Payne at this point to be a leader well, i think there's two different spots right you look at the, the times where we've lost, especially note in the OSU game, yeah. Aaron Kraft has owned us. We, we made Aaron Kraft look like he was a first-round draft choice in the NBA. Lottery yeah. pick. Yeah, right. All from dribble off the ball, defensive end of the ball, both, both sides, right? Right. So, so, so what you're saying, Gus, is, is, is it depends on who we play? Well, yeah, there's a whole other piece of it, right? If we right. play a well, team, I think, with a, with a tremendous point guard, that could create some matchup problems for us. Right, and and a guy like Kraft who you know made a, you know make him made, made him look like a lottery pick, and that that might have been the case. But if Adrian Payne is matching up this Valparaiso team, who can shoot pretty well from from as far as I'm concerned statistically, can you count on Adrian Payne to lead this team as the so, most improved I, player? I think, so. I, I think, but look, we got no business losing to Valparaiso. I don't think anybody around would would uh, say we've got any business losing. Could they beat us? Absolutely. Could they sneak up and get one? You know, it only takes one loss and you're going home. Yeah. Although it's a short trip from Auburn Hills, it's game over. Right. But I don't think anybody would expect Valparaiso to win this game based on the, the level of talent that they've got, how they performed in their conference versus our talent and, and you know, sort of the hard-nosed approach that, that Izzo brings defensively and the team in general. But the, the biggest problem I think that the Spartans have had this year, and it showed itself here in the last couple of games stretch, is – the mental, almost a mental instability. Uh, I mean, you can you can co- point to a couple of plays, the difference between, you know, where we finished in the conference and the chance of winning that outright. Right, one box out against Indiana for a putback, and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, again, going back to the Trey Burke play, now it doesn't mean we're going to win, uh, but we've got Michigan right where we want them. Right, right. And look, look, us, we, we can go all day about, you know, the plays we should have had back, some of the calls that Tom Izzowitz came out, you know, he can't say anything about the referee's calls, but there are some calls, questionably, throughout the season that you and I both have seen, Gus. Oh, without that, a doubt. Oh, that, that have changed the total outcome of the game. Now, this year, if you're a Spartan fan and we have no business losing to Valparaiso, are you moving forward to this Memphis team and saying, hey, the Spartans are expected to win against Valparaiso? Valparaiso, the, 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 the makeup of that team compared to our experience with Tom Izzo. Is, is improbable, and that if you're a Spartan fan, the only teams you got to worry about are the teams past the first round. Well, no, you got to worry about. You got to take each game as it comes, right? I'm, right, right? I'm just saying on paper and based on the level of talent that we've got. Look, Bryce Drew, he's got a, he's got a long history, right? They got a commercial about it now. Yeah, right. <laughs> in the shot, ninety six, whatever year it was. Yeah. Um, you know, there's there's just no match comparatively, but uh, you know, we could struggle a little bit in certain areas of the game. We could fall asleep a little bit and you know if they stick with us and it comes down to the end to your point right suddenly right. we find appling on the bench or um you know a player two can separate the entire game so yeah. no i'm not looking forward to the next round but i do think that you know we should be able to handle valparaiso or Izzo is smart enough to know how to get his guys ready i mean he's shown that year over year so i think a one time that we lost in the first round and uh you could argue we were a little um light on talent due to some guys even early so yeah Thanks a lot, Gus, for your call. Appreciate it, man. You got it.
That's Gus calling from his car. 517-432-3893. Do you agree with Gus? If Keith Appling is on the bench and Adrian Payne is by himself late in the game alongside with Knicks, Dawson, the crew, are you going to let maybe Dawson take the ball up? We, we saw it earlier this year. We saw Dawson in a late-game situation take the last-minute shot. But do you give it to Payne? Is, has Payne earned the respects and the skills and, and his progression as a player to give you the respect and give him the ball in the late-game situation? To be honest, if, if you have all of this hype, all of these media personnel talking about how essential Adrian Payne is to this team and how he, by what they have seen, what, what, what media people have seen, that Adrian Payne is the most improved player in the country this year. Simply, earn, simply earns the respect from me. But of course, we want to hear it from you. We also will take your tweets in at 89FM Sports Rap. We will respond to your tweets as they come in. Um, anything about uh, the Michigan State Spartans. Uh, alongside with them, the next question I want to bring up is location. Like I said, Auburn Hills is the spot for the Spartans alongside with the entire Midwest division. Now, if you're playing in Auburn Hills... You're going to bring all the Spartan fans with you. Uh, Valparaiso, they're not far down the road. That's Indiana. They're, they're going to bring some people up too. But is this a match made in heaven? If, if Michigan, if the University of Michigan was playing at Auburn Hills, would their tournament outcomes be completely different too? How essential is home field advantage when it comes to NCAA basketball? Personally, I, I, I'm not so sure that it really matters. And this is why. When you look at a team, and, and, and when Michigan State is going up to Auburn Hills, sure, it's an hour away, it's, it's not a far drive, but when you look at the makeup of the kinds of fans that go to these tournament games, these are people around the Detroit community, these are people around the Lansing community, and mostly around the Michigan, uh, Michigan community. It's, it's, it's the same as the Super Bowl. If the Super Bowl is hosted in New Orleans and the New Orleans Saints are playing in it, it's basically a home game. But if you have 16 teams playing in one place where the Michigan State Spartans are competing in it, but there are more than just two teams competing, I really don't think it matters. Sure, there, you know, when it comes to the Super Bowl, there are all kinds of people there too. Uh, celebrities rent out suites and, and you'll see... Uh, you know the the guy. You know you'll you'll see a Walmart Wolverine in the stands. But are, are, is that necessarily the same case for NCAA? I'm not so sure. Five one seven four three two three eight nine three is a number. Uh, we are going to have Dan Dickerson actually on very soon. So definitely stay tuned for that. Uh, and as uh, we try to get a hold of Dan, hopefully we can uh, take some more calls before we have uh, Dan on. Uh, actually, Dylan is actually ringing Dan up right now. Dylan's the guy behind the glass. So if you are waiting for Dan Dickerson to come on the air, talks from Tiger Baseball, your wish will be granted. So stay tuned for more Sports Wrap as we continue uh, with our broadcast. Um, if you are also a Spartan fan, we talked about last week some 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 greats. We talked about um, we talked about Keith Appling. We talked about the rebounding. We talked about this offense. Um, but my question, my question is, is with these ratings and, 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 and although that a lot of the ratings aren't really set in stone, there's always the NCAA, the NCAA ratings. Um, there's always ratings when it comes to, uh, coaches and, and how they're dealing with some of these players. But if you're a Spartan fan and, and besides the fact that Keith Appling has the possibility of sitting on the bench late in the game. And you have to rely on Adrian Payne. If 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 Keith Appling follows out in the tournament like he has so far this year, would your would your rating change for him? How essential is the NCAA tournament when it comes to rating the Spartans? Five one seven four three two three eight nine three is the number. You can also tweet at us at eighty nine FM Sports Wrap if you'd like to ask us a question. Feel free to do so as we unravel more MSU Spartan basketball. But. I'd like to now switch tides as we're joined by Dan Dickerson, uh, who is with us now uh, and who has been constantly watching spring training throughout the year so far. Dan, first of all, talk about, I mean, the atmosphere down there with the weather must be a lot nicer than it is here, huh? 
Yeah, I keep looking at your forecast. You know, my son plays lacrosse, uh, and uh, I keep thinking it's, it's got to warm up. The poor guy's outside in, what, 25 to 30-degree weather every day. I'm looking for a little bit of warmer weather for Michigan. But, yeah, it's beautiful down here. You know, it's actually been kind of cool, to be honest with you, for Florida at this time yep. of year. But this week, uh, it, it's warming into the 80s almost every day. Wow. Now, do you, now I, I'm not sure if, if you've really gotten a whole sense on some of the guys, uh, some of the Tiger players down there, but... Are they aware of what the weather's like here in Michigan right now? Oh, yeah, I'm sure, because, uh, you know, they open opening days in two weeks. Right, And right. Uh, more than a few people, not players, but just, you know, people that I've been talking with around the Tigers have noted that it was, uh, I think, eight degrees was the high the other day in Minneapolis, and mm-hmm. uh, they're getting three to four inches of snow tonight. And I saw, we, we were talking on the air today, I saw wind chills of uh, 20 below zero in Minneapolis wow. overnight the next two nights. Wow. <laughs> Oh, I, I think they're aware of it. I think you can't get too caught up in it. I think the players very much have to follow the lead of Jim Leland, and he never gets too, uh, you know, carried away with the weather because then, then you're, uh, you know, you're inviting excuses, and, and he doesn't ever want the players to get into that, and he never does. Yeah, and I'm sure some of these guys on this roster, some of them have probably never seen hail in their life. And, and when oh, it, I was, yeah, I was on the caravan, uh, you know, this year, and there was. You know, a lot of the guys from Venezuela had never seen snow, and there was Anibal Sanchez throwing snowballs at some of his teammates. They're all taking pictures, you know, with snow because they, they'd never seen it. <laughs> or if they had, you know, not very often. But uh, it, it definitely is a novelty for them. It's definitely something different. And let's face it, I mean, if you grew up in nothing but warm weather, it's not easy to play. It's not easy to play in cold-weather baseball, period. Mm-hmm. But if you grew up in nothing but warm weather, you know, I think it's even more difficult. Yeah, no, absolutely. Five one seven four three two three eight nine three. If you're just tuning in, we have Dan Dickerson on with us right now, who has been covering spring training. Uh, yeah, Dan. B- besides the fact that some of these guys uh, are having snow as that novelty, I-, I don't know if you remember, Dan, but this time last year, I mean, it was so warm in March. Eighty-five degrees. I came home mid-March last year from Florida and took my daughter over to Grand Valley for a visit for college, and I remember it was 85. I think my car oh. thermometer actually said 90 on the way home. I, wow. I remember that very clearly, and that was one year ago to the day almost. Yeah. No, so, so my question is, is if it, the temperatures are going to be considerably warmer this year, probably in the 40s when it comes to opening day, maybe when they go to, uh, you know, go out to Minneapolis, but what, what, what do the Tigers do in preparation for this colder weather? Does this affect anything this year compared to what it was like last year? No, I'm I just not sure there's anything you can do. I think, I think it's all mental. Um, I mean, it, 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 I think it definitely affects you at, at the plate, if you're a hitter especially. I don't think there's any question. Mm-hmm. Alan Trammell always liked to use the word when it was hot. You felt more hitterish. <laughs> I always liked that term, you know, and he'd say it with a smile on his face. But it's true. You just do feel that way when, it, when it's warmer. So all you have to do, I think it's a certain mindset. I think the players are good at that. I mean, you know, Miguel Cabrera's been around for a few years and right. so these other guys. And I, I think uh, it's just gearing up mentally to know it's going to be cold. All right, how do I get warm? How do I make sure that my, my muscles stay loose? And how do I make sure that, you know, this isn't a factor when I'm at the plate? Right. Now, with this veteran team, like you said, Cabrera back this year, and he's been through it before. Uh, my question is, with with the veteran team that they had with the acquisition of Hunter, uh, are there any guys that currently aren't starting right now that could see some considerable playing time? Or, Dan, is there anyone that you've seen down at spring training that, that Jim is really giving a nod to this year? No, but I just think, you know, it's, I think it's always a good reminder when you look at some of these young players and you look at the development of I think Brian Virial is a good example. I think Andy mm-hmm. Dirks is a good example. So when you see the ratings of various farm systems, and I think the Tigers farm system generally rates low, that's for a couple of reasons. But also I think it's sometimes uh, just it's a good reminder that people miss on these projections. Andy Dirks had 322 last year. He was never on anybody's top 100. <laughs> Brian right. Virial is going to be one of the more electric you know, relievers leading to a closer in the American League this year with the stuff that he has. He wasn't ever really, I don't think, thought of as one of the up-and-coming, you know, really fine setup men in baseball. And right. I think he's getting there very quickly. He has, he has some hurdles, but the stuff I'm telling you is really good. So, you know, I think what we've seen this spring is there's a future outfield, I think, that is potentially very bright. Mm-hmm. You guys still have to develop. But Castellanos, Garcia, right. Tyler Collins, is a fine young player. He was at A-ball last year. 
Lakeland's player of the year, and this kid is still around. You know, we're, we're heading to the final two weeks of the spring, and he's still around. Not that he's getting a look to be on the team, but I think they feel there's value in keeping him in the major league camp. So there's three good outfielders that I think all can play in the major leagues. Hernan Perez is a 21-year-old kid that Jim Leland has talked highly about. He really likes his actions in the field. Um, you know, we saw Eugenio Suarez. So there's a couple of infielders who mm-hmm. I think have very nice actions, just, you know, like smooth fluidity on the middle of the infield that have, you know, caught Jim Leland's eye. I think uh, Brian Holiday quietly is having a nice spring. Mm-hmm. It's a guy who has nice defensive skills, hasn't hit a lot in the minor leagues, but he made some changes, kind of went back to his old swing, as he said. He was a star. You know, he won the Johnny Bench Award for Best Catcher in College Baseball at TCU a few years ago. Yeah. He's looked like a different hitter this spring. So those are the kind of things that are fun to watch. But there's six position players that, you know, we could all see in the Tigers uniform the next, you know, for some of those guys in the next year or two, for the others might be, you know, three years from now. Mm-hmm. Now, Brennan Bosch, before he was released, was also a guy, like you said, changing his swing. Sometimes he looks like a totally different hitter. Well, in Brennan's case, it, it really didn't work out, which probably led to his release. Uh, but like you said, I mean, there are guys like Garcia, you know, uh, guys in the future that will be some pretty good ball players. Uh, but my question is, you said that the Tigers are a little bit low in the farm system, Dan. Uh, what are those reasons that you, were, that you mentioned uh, that, that could be the reason why they're ranked so low? Well, I mean, it's, everybody's got a different system. And I mean, and I give Baseball America and others all the credit in the world. I mean, they're trying their very best at an inexact science to try to rank, you know, these young 18, 19, 20-year-olds and then project them into the future. It's, it's sometimes, you know, the, the Tigers will, will grab somebody, bring them up to the major leagues, and all of a sudden, Drew Smiley, who never really had a chance to be ranked very highly, is in the major leagues. Um, Bruce Rondon is you know, cracking the top 100, but if he had one more full year in the minor leagues, he'd probably be a top 20 by the end of this year going into next year. But he's probably going to be in the major leagues this Mm -hmm. year. So that kind of thing, I think, sometimes can, you know, hurt a a system. Also, you know, Tigers will trade some of these guys away, and that's that's exactly why you build a farm system, so that you can trade a Charlie Furbush and a Casper Wells, who, again, never ranked that highly. Trade them for a Doug Fister. Charlie Furbush had an excellent year last year for yeah. Seattle as a reliever. So those are the kinds of things that happen. And it's just a good reminder that in inexact science, but it's also a reminder that you know the, the Tigers have done a pretty good job of, of identifying guys who have major league talent and then grooming those guys. And after they draft them, getting them ready for the major leagues and, and making them better. Right. And one guy, actually, that I want to touch on is Cesar Carrillo, who is actually suspended right now 100 games for violating the baseball's uh, drug prevention and treatment program. Uh, Dan, is there any buzz going around about this guy, this right-hander minor leaguer down there? No, he's 28 years old, um, kind of a, a journeyman in my understanding. He wasn't in camp, mm. so uh, really the only thing that I've read is that uh, you know, it's the same clinic that Ryan Braun has been um, linked to, and he said it was just because they're asking for this guy's advice. Um, but the only thing that I've seen come out of it is that, uh, you know, ES, or ESPN reported the other day that Major League Baseball is still, you know, looking into Ryan Braun. That's about the only thing that I saw uh-huh. of interest coming out of that, because here's a journeyman. He's not a prospect. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was in the Tiger system, probably still will be in the Tiger system. But what came out of it, in my view, was, Brian Braun's not in the clear yet, at least according to the ESPN story I saw the other day. Right. And actually, I'm reading a report that uh, this guy uh, was actually mentioned previously, uh, and along with the report with Alex Rodriguez, uh, like you said, Ryan Braun, they're still debating that. But, I mean, you, you, you hear it all the time. When it comes to drug prevention and treatment programs around the MLB, it, it's a hit or miss. I mean, there are guys left and right. You see it all the time. Minor leaguers, major leaguers that are getting involved with this. Uh I, I mean, I'm sure you know there are teams around that are definitely paying attention to this. Like you said, this guy will probably still remain as the journeyman for the Tigers. Um, I mean, has, has Jim said anything about it at all or anything like that? No, because, again, it wasn't a guy who was in camp, and it's not something he would comment on uh, anyway, even right. if uh, he had been a guy who was in camp, because that's, that's not his purview. That's really uh, Dave Dombrowski. Right. I think the thing that we're seeing this spring is that more and more major league players mm. are – coming out quite vocally uh, about the need for stronger testing and stiff penalties. Uh, 
Jose Bautista made it very clear. You know what's in your body. <laughs> and right. here's one of the premier power hitters uh, in baseball when he's healthy, and he's making it very clear that you should know exactly what's in your body, and he thinks every player knows, and that if you get caught, it's your fault. And I think more and more players are starting to speak up because they don't want to be battling against guys who are cheating. They want to make sure the cheaters get caught. And I think it's one of the, the bigger stories of the spring in terms of the future of testing that more and more high-profile players are speaking out against the use of PEDs. Right. For those of you tuning in, we do have Dan Dickerson on with us right here on Impact 89FM. Dan, uh, we actually have a break to get to. It will just last a minute. Do you have another maybe five minutes to spend some time with us over the air? Sure. All right, so just stay hold, and we'll be back after this short break. Keep staying tuned. You're on Impact 89FM. You're listening to Impact Exposure. Smoking Helpline. Yes, I need to start smoking right away. Excuse me? I need to start smoking. Well, actually, it's the Stop Smoking Helpline. The people in the apartment next to mine smoke three packs a day, and it drives me crazy. So I'm thinking four packs will do it. I think you want MySmokeFreeApartment.org. It gives you the information you need to work toward a smoke-free apartment building. A smoke-free building. Without all that, smoking. Uh, yeah, that's right. Make your apartment smoke-free without making a stink. MySmokeFreeApartment.org. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Primetime, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Wednesday nights from 8 until midnight, it's the Impact's Accidental Blues, your source for great blues music, news, and concert information. Only on Impact Primetime. Hola, my name is Esperanza. After a tragic incident, I was forced from a life of riches in Mexico to a life of poverty in the United States. My mother has become ill and we have become separated from our family. Now I must work for both of us to try to bring the rest of our family together. My name is Esperanza and I am trying to survive. Explore new worlds. Read my story in the novel Esperanza Rising by Pam Muñoz Ryan. For other great book ideas, visit your local library or log on to literacy.gov. Brought to you by the Library of Congress and the Ad Council. Now back to Impact Exposure. Welcome back to the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact 89FM. I'm your host, Alex Sharg, as we kick off this 7 to 8 p.m. hour of sports every Monday right here. You can listen online. If you're in your car, you just need to get uh, maybe get a little bit more radio, but you, uh, you're you at home. So you can go online, impact89fm.org, and you could stream us live wherever you are. You don't even have to be in the Lansing area. Uh, if you are just tuning in, we do have Dan Dickerson on with us right now. We just got done recapping about some minor league outfielders that are coming up, uh, more about uh, Cesar Carrillo's 100-game suspension. But one thing that there's a lot of hype around, Dan, is this pitching staff. And it starts with Max Scherzer. I mean, you saw... Uh, throughout the end, of, throughout the end of last year, as Scherzer was constantly in the talks when it came to, uh, you know, with his strikeout, with with being a strikeout leader in the in the American League, and this guy was a hot topic of conversation by many. Now, this year he's four and two thirds innings so far with a shutout. Uh, first of all, I mean, as as have you or any other guys talked to Max about this streak that he has going on? Is this something that maybe he's looking to continue? You mean just the, the shutout string this spring? Right, right. Yeah, he gave up a run today, but no, that you know what? Even if it was 25 innings without a run, the pitchers do not get caught up in in too much of the spring results, good or bad. Right. Sure, they like to have good results. It's all about truly start to start what they're working on, what do they want to accomplish. There's usually something they want to accomplish in each start of the spring, mm-hmm. and did they accomplish it? that day. For instance, Max pitched against the Nationals today. It was a good test mm-hmm. because the Nationals basically had their opening day lineup. It was their opening day lineup. And Max, uh, you know, he, he gave up five hits in five innings. I'd say two hard hit balls, three soft hits, one home run, one walk, four strikeouts. But he was using his curveball, uh, which is a new pitch for him this spring. And I thought, you know, we're kind of sitting high and above him. Right, uh, right. We don't have a monitor, but I thought it was a very good-looking curveball. I'd be interested to see how he felt about it. But I thought he looked very good, and uh, and, and that's the kind of thing you look for in the spring. Yeah, and, and this is Max's also. This is probably this is probably probably the peak of Max's years as a pitcher. 
I mean, with, with what Max is late twenties now uh, with Verlander. I mean, the, the Tigers have had a playoff run uh, last year. So I mean, I think that Max. Correct me if I'm wrong, but this is probably a year that he's most comfortable with the team. Yeah, I mean, I, I just think um, you know, kind of the last step for him is to uh, is to put together a complete season. He has had uh, you know long stretches of great pitching in two different seasons, but he hasn't really done it from the beginning to the end. And I think that uh, that's the next step for him. And I don't see any reason in the world why Max Scherzer can't do that. He is, uh, you know, he's always trying to get better. He's a hard worker. His stuff is great. There's every reason in the world to believe that this guy uh, is going to have a, a, just a super season. Right, and another guy trying to have a super season is Victor Martinez coming back from no MLB action for a year. Uh, what's he been like so far during spring training coming off his injury? Talking about Doug? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, um, you know, he, he, to me, it, it's been a, a slow process. You know, he was healthy at the end of last year, but um, he, he did have the two trips to the DL. Mm-hmm. And I think that, um, you know, with him, it's, he just he hasn't been quite as sharp as we're used to seeing, we've seen flashes of the good Doug Fister, which is the ball move. Everything moves, and he uh, he really to watch. And and this guy, uh, you know, his best outing his last time out. He's not where he wants to be, but he's getting there. And I think by opening day, he'll be fine. Right now, along with him, I mean, there have been some times so far that a couple pitchers have struggled. We saw Albuquerque struggle a little bit. Uh, you've probably seen them struggle a little bit, giving up some runs here and there. Uh, what's the topic of conversation when it comes to trades? Are the Tigers right now? Uh, do you think are are they looking for more relief pitching with this team? I don't think so. I, I've come to the conclusion that you know I think it's hard, and we said this even when Rondon was struggling. Mm-hmm. Hard to trade for a guy who's going to be an impact closer during spring training. It just it really, it's very difficult to do. I mean, what contender is going to trade a closer during spring training? Nobody. What team that's not very good and has no chance of making the playoffs has a good closer that you want? Uh, not very many. So I always thought the solution would come from within. Now Rondon's pitching, I think, very well. Um, he's had, I think, three really, really good outings. We're starting to see the stuff that everybody raved about. And he's more and more looking to me like a guy who is, going to be on the opening day roster there's no rush to say that he's the closer sure but guess what if he's in the mix uh to start the season and he's in that tiger's bullpen i think jim leland has a knack for you just ease him into that situation maybe let him close out a six to one game and then maybe let him close out a four to one game then somebody else closes the game but then rondon comes back and closes out you know a four three game uh-huh. and just you know see how he handles it and i think more and more, we're seeing a kid who looks like he can handle it. And it, I'll be fascinated to see what happens in the opening weeks. But this is a guy who, who is looking very confident right now and much different than he did just a few weeks ago. That's great. Now, how do you compare him to a high thrower like we saw in Zamaya, uh, in Joel Zamaya years ago? Um, similar. Um, he's a little raw right now, more raw than, than Joel, but... Um, and they're both kind of triple-digit guys who try to corral their stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the slider looks like it could be a really a wipeout pitch for Rondona. We didn't see that early on in the spring. Now right. it's looking like a real swing and miss pitch, and that's mm-hmm. a big deal. And he's also got a changeup that he will throw. Um, the similarities, I think you will hear that. Remember, Zemaya threw 80-some innings his first year. He was a workhorse. He would work multiple innings at a time. Yeah. I don't picture Rondona doing that. I think they're going to protect this arm. They're going to protect the innings. And, uh, but in terms of stuff, it's, uh, I can't wait to see him in a major league game because he, he, he's special. And uh, right. the stuff is really fun to watch. I want to see that slider on a monitor because I'm just looking at it now from up and behind. But yeah. I want to see what it looks like on a monitor because it looks really good from up above. Yeah, you're going to be excited. Wow. Um, along with Rondon, I mean, you said that this guy – uh, he's not going to be the work the workhorse that Zamaya was. Does he have the capabilities to be that workhorse, or is that just strategic? Well, I, I just think if you wanted to be a closer, closers generally work one inning. For Jim Leland, right. they will work one inning. They're mm. not going to work more. He's got a very definite opinion on that. Right. So, no, I, I don't picture him working multiple innings. A Villarreal can. Um, Albuquerque from time to time can. We saw that last year. But um, I, I wouldn't picture Rondon in that role. 
Right. Now, but the thing is, if the Tigers do acquire closer, which, like you said, there's not really reason to, that the season hasn't begun yet, Rondon is looking a lot better. If the Tigers do acquire a closer, and for whatever reason, Rondon isn't working out, do they maybe move him to that relief position if he can't handle it? Oh, I just think that's looking too far down the road. I think right, you know, right. they've got a specific idea for him, and right now that's what they're grooming him for. Got it. For those of you just tuning in, we are joined by Dan Dickerson, play-by-play voice for the Detroit Tigers. We'd love to get your tweets in at 89FM Sports Rap is where you can send them. Uh, Dan, uh, thanks again so much for coming on the air with us today. Uh, I know you are very busy as you follow the Tigers game-by-game game down in Florida. But uh, just a quick question before I get you off the line here. what What has been the hardest thing with this team this year compared to all the years, besides maybe the weather, besides the fact that you're not playing uh, with the 80 degrees that you expected in March. Uh, is there anything that's been a little bit different with your job this year that you haven't really had before? Well, we're doing more games on the air. That's probably the biggest thing, but um, um, that, that's probably the, the biggest thing. And um, So, you know, the workload's a little different, but it just means you go a little bit different about your preparation for the season. Maybe it's a little different than uh, you might if you didn't have all those games to do, but uh, you know, that's, that's probably the biggest difference. Right. Well, actually, Dan, we have the hail for you when you come back to Michigan. It's waiting here. It's not going anywhere. As you know, we, we might see some games not happen. So, uh, thanks uh, again. It's going to be interesting. You're welcome, Alex. <laughs> Alright, Dan. Appreciate it. That was Dan Dickerson, play-by-play voice for the Detroit Tigers. Uh, we'd love to take your calls. We've got about 14 minutes left in the show. 517 517- Four three two three eight nine three. You can also tweet at us at eighty nine FM Sports Rap. Great to have Dan's perspective because we're only seeing some of the articles that are written. We're not seeing what really is going on when it comes to some of these upcoming guys. We're not seeing what Dan's seeing when it comes to Garcia. We're not seeing the electric slider from the monitors. Even Dan doesn't even see it. So I am totally excited to see Bruce Rondon close. What are you most excited about as a listener? If you're if you, if you're tuning in. Are you excited about Bruce Rondon the most? Are you excited to see Victor Martinez back in a Tigers in a Tigers jersey? We are taking tweets. You can also tweet at us at 89FM Sports Rap. Uh, what are you most excited about as a Tiger fan? Weeks ago, we were talking about trading Rondon. Uh, we were talking about trading Porcello for a relief pitcher. Now that Rondon is healthy, now that Rondon is throwing accurate pitches, it's looking like a totally different story. But of course. We'd love to hear from you, too, so feel free to tweet or call in at any time. The number 517-432-3893. We have about 12 minutes left in the show, uh, so while we have our Detroit Tigers topics, I want to move on now and talk about the Detroit Lions. That's right, we talked about it as we opened the show at 7 o'clock. The Lions landed a jackpot. They got Reggie Bush. They got Glover. They basically saved two-player salaries by letting go Cliff Averill, and they acquired uh, you know, uh, some solid guys that could come in here. Now, there's one move that the Lions made that I'm wondering about. I- I'm, not, I'm nodding my head a little bit when I see Reggie Bush, when I see Glover, but when I see the Detroit Lions re-sign Chris Houston to a multi-year deal, I cringe a little bit. I'm not so sold if you're a Detroit Lion fan that you would give Chris Houston, the guy who had some, uh, you know, we've seen games where Chris Houston did not come through. Uh, we've seen games where Chris Houston may not be like Dre Bly was. He, you're not expecting Chris Houston to go in and be Dre Bly. It's very simple. He's not going to be that leader. He's not going to be that on-the-field on guy. But Chris Houston got a five-year deal with the Lions. Five years. And, and of course... Chris Houston is not elite. Chris Houston is getting up there in age now is is another thing. But the one thing about Chris Houston, if you look at his statistics and you look at his progression of tackles, if you look at his statistics for each year, it's 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 changed. And let me tell you about this. I mean, this year he had two forced fumbles. Great. He had uh, uh, he had picks. He had two picks this year. He had five last year. So he he's definitely proved himself as a lion. When he was on the Falcons before, uh, the most picks he ever got was two, and he already set that last year. Um, but when you look at his age, when you look at uh, some of his splits, his logs, uh, this guy's twenty eight. You know, he, he's getting up there in age. So when you have him for five more years, 
Do you expect Chris Houston to produce as a starting cornerback at 33 years old? The only cornerbacks that were 33 years old that we saw produce were were, were guys that were elite, that that were pro bowlers. It, we saw uh, the Sam Madison, and 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 we, we see Ed Reed. We see these defensive backs that can contribute when they're getting up there in age. But if you're a Lion fan, is Chris Houston going to produce like Sam Madison does at, at age 33? The answer to me is no. No, Chris Houston is not going to produce at 33. I really don't see it. I don't see him getting five picks at age 33. I don't see him getting five picks if the Lions five years from now don't have a team in the field. If, if the Lions don't have a solid safety replacing Lewis Delmas, if they don't have a, if they don't have a quarterback in Stafford that, that can throw for NFL record-setting seasons, then they're not going to produce. For me, I don't see any other route. But I want to hear from you. 517-432-3893. Nine minutes left in the show. Uh, Beside for Chris Houston, it's the only signing that I question. Five years for a guy that's 28 years old, for me, is a little absurd. Uh, Of course, I mean, we've seen Reggie Bush. Uh, He got a four-year deal, and he's a running back. I mean, running backs' timelines are a lot shorter. So uh, when it comes to value, when it comes to giving Reggie Bush four years, for a running back and a, a corner that isn't elite five years? I don't know. I really don't know if that was the right move when it comes to contract. Well, Reggie Bush is a little different. I mean, th- there are articles. I mean, this this article by the LA Times today that is Reggie Bush the best running back in Detroit since Barry Sanders? Uh, just the fact that, yes, Reggie Bush is a great talent. A freak of an athlete. Him and Calvin together, uh, probably probably in the top five athletes in the whole NFL. Uh, when it came to his 40 time, uh, when it came to Reggie Bush as a Saint, you you, you saw it yourself? The guy was a freak. Uh, if you're a Lion fan, are you excited? Yes. Is this a playoff team? I think so. But is this a team that you got for value? Is Chris Houston and Reggie Bush, are those guys that you spend money on for value? The answer is no. I don't see why a five-year and a four-year deal to a running back and a cornerback, one that aren't elite, two that have a timeline that are already in their late 20s, and three have, oh, besides for Chris Houston, Reggie hasn't proved himself in a Lions jersey yet. We still have a lot more to see. Again, we are taking calls. We've got seven minutes left. 517-432-3893. You can also tweet at 89FM Trap. Uh... We actually did have Dan Dickerson on with us, so if you missed that, uh, you can hear the podcast at the end of today's show to catch up. Uh, alongside with that, the other thing when it comes to the Detroit Lions and when it comes to value is their offensive tackle. The value that they had in Jeff Backus for years is done. If you missed it, if you have not been following this week, Jeff Backus, the former Michigan Wolverine, has retired. That's right. After all the countless seasons as an offensive lineman has hung up the cleats and the helmet, he's out. Uh, what does that mean for this Lions team? Uh, the Lions, Mayhew came out and said that they were expecting this. This wasn't a surprise, uh, which is good. Uh, you, you wouldn't want a surprise like Barry Sanders was years ago when he retired at such a young age. But when it comes to Jeff Backus, uh, his legacy as a Lion fan, we would listen. Uh, we would watch. We would listen to the Lions. We would listen to Jim Miller. We'd hear all the calls on Jeff Backus' false starts. We'd hear all the complaints about how Jeff Backus is an elite. We heard all the complaints that this was a wasted draft pick. He's an above-average offensive lineman. Uh, he's not anywhere where he should be. But where's his legacy now? Not there. If, if you look back on the Detroit Lions and you come up with, with guys who have played the equivalent years, you look at Jason Hansen, you look at uh, Barry Sanders, and then you look at Jeff Backus. Out of guys that have played for many years on the Detroit Lions football team, do you do you remember Jeff Backus? Probably not. Are you going to remember Jason Hansen? Absolutely. Are you going to remember Barry? Of course. But are you going to look back 30 or 40 years from now and remember Jeff Backus' skills as a Lion? The answer is no. And, and the reason that you're not going to remember Jeff Backus is because simply he wasn't elite. Sure, he's had some great seasons with Detroit. He's protected the quarterback. There are times where Jeff Backus uh, played consecutive starts without injuries many times. 
But now comes the fact that you're getting you're 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 giving Jeff Backus his position to Riley Reef and Jason Fox. Are those the best options for the Lions? I don't know. Which is exactly why, which brings me up to the next topic of conversation with five minutes to go, is the NFL draft coming up this month. That's right. D. Milner is a guy that we've seen at the Combine. The Lions have the fifth pick. D. Milner is probably the best guy on the board. Uh, if you're looking to replace Cliff Averill at defensive end, uh, probably not going to do it. Uh, but if you look at who's going to step in and be elite and who is the best player available, D. Milner might be that guy. But the problem with this whole situation, and this is why the Lions are the, are the topic of conversation, is the fact that Jeff Backus left and Riley Reef is his quote-unquote replacement. Well, are you going to let Jason Fox, who is quote-unquote competing for playing time, be the starter? Are, are you going to let that one position just have a little bit of a hole? I don't know. So what do you do if you're Detroit? Are you going to draft a second or third round pick to play offensive line? Are you going to count on a second or third round offensive lineman to, to, to fill a void? Can a second or third round lineman even play? Or can can he be uh can he have a solid role on the Detroit Lions offensive line? That remains to be seen. But if you are out there and if you have been following this Detroit Lions draft coverage, if Dean Milner is not the guy, then who is it? Five one seven four three two three eight nine three. We have our goon of the week coming up in about two minutes. So we'll get to that in just a second before Dylan plays the cut. But Going off more on this offensive line topic in, in the draft is is can we even fill the offensive tackle hole in other rounds? Uh, Riley Reef wasn't a first round pick. I mean Riley Reef, you know, coming out of Iowa, uh, you know, he, he wasn't that big of a guy coming. Up. I mean, look if you're if you're getting an offensive lineman, we saw Jeff Backus, Jake Long going number one. Now he went to a new team. Uh, some. Some guys really weren't probably weren't that high on them now. I mean, but the the difference is is that when you're comparing Riley Reef to all other offensive linemen uh, that are elites, uh, you're not going to get them. But at the same time, was Jeff Baggis elite? No. Riley Reef was a first round selection in the 2012 draft. But is this a guy that is a top five pick? No, he was 23. He was pick number 23 for the Lions. But if you're looking at a guy who who you want to be Jeff Backus, who or if you're looking for a guy to be a Jake Long at number one, uh, you you may have to lean a little bit when it comes to choosing that fifth pick. Uh, you know there are a couple offensive linemen that are going earlier. They're not going to get an elite offensive lineman, but they probably will get one somehow. Uh, before we close this show, we have our annual goon, 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 goon. Goon of the week. That's right. It's our goon of the week, and this week, uh, going into a little bit more of a serious note, uh, it's the Steubenville football program. That's right. Not a coach, not a player, but it's the overall football program. Uh, if you have not been following, two Steubenville football players were actually charged uh, for. Uh, they actually went to juvenile prison. Uh, that's right. If you have not been following, there's a whole there's a whole ordeal going on. Uh, with a rape case of two football players uh, on an underage girl, a 16-year-old girl, sexually assault, sexual assaulting the 16-year-old girl. Uh, they are both going to jail. It was official, official. But the main question that everyone's wondering is this coach. You saw Joe Paterno. You saw what happened with the, with the crumbling of Penn State. People knew about it and did everything and didn't do anything. Now, this Steubenville football coach... Uh, this guy has been here for 30 years. Uh, Reno Sakosha, when he won his 300th game last year with a sellout crowd, uh, the, the, ch- the crowd was chanting Reno, Reno, Reno as he left the field. But this is a guy who knew about the pictures. He knew it was being sent out to all the other players. If, if you do not know, these two guys that committed rape on this girl sent the pictures. They took pictures of them holding this girl. Uh, just She was just passed out, had a little bit too much to drink, and they're sending pictures of this girl to all the teammates. The coach knew about it. He did not act on it, but instead he tried to cover it up. Now, not only is the coach a goon, but then you can look at the whole program. You can look besides the head coach. Hey, what about these players that are that are, that are are just they're high schoolers? 
and, and they're going to prison now because nothing was done about this situation. So for that, we'll get into more about it next week. But the Steubenville, the Steubenville Ohio football program is our goon this week. That's going to do it for the Spartan Sports Wrap. Dan Dickerson joined us today. It was great to have him on as he uncaps the difference of weather down in Florida compared to here right now. But opening day coming up, first day of April, that's right, as they go to Minneapolis to take on the Twins. We'll get into more, some Tigers coverage next week as we will be a week away. And we'll get more into MSU basketball and MSU football. And especially with the new roster release, we'll have a lot more coverage on that. Uh, Like I said earlier as well, before we just finish up right here, uh, the MSU Women's Team Selection Committee, uh, they, they have announced that Michigan State is a number five seed. That's right. The Spartan women's basketball team is a number five seed in the tournament. That actually went on during this broadcast. I'm Alex Sharg. We'll see you next week, everybody. Happy March Madness. You've been listening to the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. Tune in every week for more of the greatest sports information, news, and analysis. Here and only here on Impact 89FM.